welcoming our guests. Sorry, I'm not welcoming you. <laughs> Welcome to a little cerebral, dear listeners. I'm excited about the topic today. I think it's a good one. Very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, and, and so like I'm certainly not an expert on this. This is just some tips. Um, in the last episode that we recorded, we asked people like, hey, if you have any ideas, you can email us at a little cerebral at gmail.com. Or I guess they could send us a Facebook message because we have a Facebook page that I don't actively maintain, but I'd still get a notification. Um, and my sister sent me something, um, but I haven't had a chance to look at it. I actually think it's worthy of its own interview. So mm. I'm not going to add this episode. But yeah, nobody else emailed us. I checked today. I, re- I remembered. And um, which is fine because, I mean, pretty much our listenership is Matthew, Matthew's girlfriend, <laughs> and my sister. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, Matthew and Matthew's girlfriend, if you ever become Matthew and Matthew's wife, and sometime, like, I'm not hinting, but, you know, maybe like someday down the road, especially if you have kids, this might be really helpful to you because kids are expensive. So, kids are so nope. expensive. No pressure. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> No pressure, right. but de- definitely, I, I hope we're the first people to find out if you are engaged. Just FYI. Yeah, it would be fun. It'll be fun when we can say Matthew's fiance. Right. Well, I mean, if, when. Sorry. Let's get to the topic of conversation today, which is saving money on medical expenses. So, lucky for us with uh, the Affordable Care Act, you know, now we have to have, I, I believe now we have to have out of pocket maximums. Some people already had it with their insurance plans. You know, pre-existing conditions can't get, like, booted out or ruled out uninsured because of pre-existing conditions. So that helps a lot. But let's talk about insurance. So if you have Medicaid, you're not supposed to be paying anything. Um, Mm -hmm. So people with Medicaid, generally, like, this stuff may not apply to them because they're not supposed to be paying anything with this. Although there are some kids who might have the Medicaid waiver And then they may have siblings who have um, private insurance. So this is mostly just for private insurance. So the first thing I was, and and this isn't like, hey, Claire's like a financial expert and knows all this stuff. This is more just like things I've noticed as a person who has chronic health issues and, you know, kids who are expensive, who have their Mm -hmm. own stuff going on. And then um, just also as a, as a, um, practitioner, a provider who accepts insurance. So Mm -hmm. these are just tips and some ideas. So the first thing is, I would say, become familiar with EOBs and claims. So EOBs, that stands for explanation of benefits. And so as annoying as it is to have an online account for your health insurance, because you probably forget your password, um, as annoying and the password requirements are really strict. And then it's like, you have to change the one you use just by a little bit and then you don't remember. I understand that, but it's really important. I guess Especially that. for someone with ADD, it's really challenging. <laughs> so I empathize. I feel you. I get that. That being said, um, do it anyway, figure it out. Um, have an online account like portal for your medical bills because it's really important to stay on top of them. Um, so EOBs, that's you're going to find your EOBs explanation of benefits, and those are different than claims. 
and you're going to see those in your portal. And I don't know that they always put the CPT or procedure code next to each charge. Mm. Yeah. Or you go get, you know, an evaluation. It's not just one procedure. It's there's units of procedures and there might be more than one different kind of procedure that is getting billed in that same visit. And so um, it's important to know what those um, codes are and find out like what the reimbursement rate is. So a lot of times providers like they'll charge the insurance company a higher amount, but there's a negotiated rate that the insurance company has said, hey, if you want to be a provider in our network, this is what you charge for this procedure, right? You don't, and, and that's what you get to charge. And if there's a difference between what you do for private pay and what you do with this um, and what you do with us, right, then you don't get to balance bill. Like you don't get to try to collect the difference. Like you've made mm-hmm. that arrangement and this is what you get paid for, like this, this much per unit. Um, one thing to know, different providers get reimbursed at different rates. It's not like there's this flat rate for a procedure code, and that is what all providers get reimbursed at. So, for example, I gave the example of an evaluation. So my son um, is being evaluated for, among other things, autism, because now that he's become more verbal, I'm definitely seeing, getting a lot of vibes, seeing a lot of signs. And so he's being evaluated at a local hospital that helps children that will be unnamed. And <laughs> I <laughs> and I mentioned this last time um, and because lawyers um, and I mentioned this last time because I could bill those exact same procedure codes. And this is for the same insurance. So I'm a provider for Cigna and I am insured through Cigna. And so I asked what I like the bill I got was like outrageous. And I was like, there's got to be a mistake here. And so I called and they're like, nope, that's what we get paid. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to necessarily just believe you. And so I called my, not that I'm trying to be rude. I just, you know, I feel like I should verify this. So I called my insurance company and they're like, yep, this is their reimbursement rate. It's this, this is how much this code is. And this is how much this code is. And then I was like, can you uh, give me those codes again? And I wrote it down. Then I looked at my reimbursement rate for the same codes very different rate. Yeah. <laughs> so the hospital right. is like, I'm going to say it was like two and a half times as much. That uh, is like crazy. Right. So here's, here's like, this is kind of getting complicated and I, I get that, but here's, here's like the moral of the story. If you talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, I went and got an evaluation with my Cigna insurance or whatever insurance, right? And I went and saw this provider and maybe they have like a particular, like it's a private practice. It was about this after insurance. And maybe you guys have the exact same plan. Maybe you guys work in the same place. If you go to another provider, that's not, you might be paying more or you might be paying less. You might be paying a different rate because they reimburse providers differently. It's not the same rate for everyone. So, and of course, hospitals, are the most expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. which kind of gets me to like another thing, which is if you can avoid doing stuff at a hospital, maybe that's a good <laughs> idea. I mean, there's obviously certain things that need to happen at hospitals, or maybe there's a provider you really want your kid to see and they're at that hospital. So that might be worth it to you. For me, it's worth it because um, 
there's genetic stuff possibly happening with my son. So I really do want him evaluated at the hospital. I think mm -hmm. it makes sense. And I know it'll be a good evaluation. It was just definitely a huge surprise for me. Um, but, you know, if it's something where, you know, you don't have like an adopted kid who's, you know, genetics, you have no information on and possibly there's some other stuff going on, too, you know, then maybe going to a different practitioner um, as long as they're they're good, I mean, maybe that's that's an option. Going to a private practice. I mean, the same thing is true for surgeries, right? Like some surgeries mm -hmm. you might definitely want done at a hospital, or you might want a particular mm -hmm. provider. But maybe there's like some there's some surgeries that are pretty easy. Like when I got my eardrum repaired, I think that's pretty easy surgery. So I just went. I, I made sure I was not going to a hospital. I went to a place that I was familiar with and I'd been before. And I was like, so we're going to a surgery center, right? <laughs> because I know surgery centers are a lot less expensive. And yeah. um, and I'll, I'll kind of come back to the hospital thing in a second because there's a couple more things I want to talk about with that. But I just don't want to stray too far from EOB. So do you, actually, I should ask you, do you have any questions? Uh, no, I don't. This is all very good information. I hate yeah. looking at EOBs. Ugh. I know, I do too. Even care. when I get them, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, like, oh god, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, as a provider like who has to, like, you know how you have to submit to insurance and then you get reimbursed, yeah. and it's like this whole thing. Like, I know when I was first a Medicaid provider, I didn't get paid for like it was like eight mm -hmm. or ten months or something. I didn't receive any anything from them. Um, so that was kind of bad. Yeah. I don't think that happens not to everybody, but, um, yeah, that happened to me. I had, <laughs> I had kind of a bad experience with Medicaid. And then once it got sorted, it was really easy and they were really reliable. Um, yeah, they are I think, actually, after that, they were very reliable, but yeah, I think, um, I know for myself that I have a hard time being patient with people who I feel are wasting my time and just like, I'm trying to think of the right like way that doesn't involve a swear word, like jerking me around. Right. And so I, I know that I need to pay somebody to do that for me. So if I have to interact with the IRS, I pay my accountant yeah. to do that. If I have to interact with insurance companies, pay my billing person to do it. Yeah. It doesn't bring out the best to do it because it's, just I end up yeah. yelling at like innocent people who are just working there and I've gotten hung up on many times for my oh. poor attitude <laughs> so all right EOBs so EOBs kind of annoying kind of hard to read but you know um important and then claims and finding out like you know what you owe and double checking things because sometimes I mean I would say a lot of times there's mistakes with billing this oh so this gets to procedure codes or CPT codes. So it is like CPT codes, as I've mentioned, are billed in units. So you can have multiple, like you can have multiple units of the same code. So there's like the code is like a number, and then they might charge you twice yeah, for something. Yeah, it's like a five-digit number. Yeah, and especially for testing for assessment, that's very appropriate because you have certain you you're going to spend hours writing a report, and it's not going to be one hour; it's going to be multiple hours for example, and multiple hours of testing. So you are going to have multiple units of CP of those CPT codes. That makes sense. 
this can also be something that you ask about before. So, I mean, obviously there's prior authorization, right? You find out if insurance covers the procedure, like a surgery. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't reached your deductible, and especially if you have 80-20, right, after like, you know, 20% copay, insurance covers yeah. 80% afterwards, it's um, it's important to find out like what the costs are going to be maybe ahead of time. So I knew like kids had surgery. Um, I knew they were going to, it was covered, but I wanted to know, okay, so here was the surge, the surgical center fee. And that's usually really easy to find. They just tell you. And usually they're like the first people to bill you. They're like, they'll call you up. They're like on it. Um, yeah. cause they want their money. And so, um, so th- that was really easy. But then there's an anesthesiologist, so that's going to be a separate charge. And then there's going to be the surgeon, and that's a separate charge. And right. so, and you want to know, like, what are they going to, what is the negotiated rate for this procedure? So I call usually, um, like, the doctor's office, and I'll say, what are the procedure codes that are going to be used in this surgery? And then I call my insurance, I know, and it's like a testament to my patients, that I do this, but I figure I'll, I'll get to why I do this in a second. But then I ask like, okay, so what is the reimbursement rate for this provider? And sometimes you have to ask for their something called an NPI number. And you can ask for that at the doctor's office and give it to the insurance company. What is the reimbursement rate for this provider for this code? And, and you always want to ask and how many units of that code? So then, and then anesthesia gets a little wonky because they're like, here's our code. We don't know how many units. And and even if you ask for like a ballpark, they won't tell you, which is really annoying. But at least you can figure out roughly what some of those other things are going to cost and then like calculate 80% of that, you know, after you've met your deductible. Any questions? I can see, like, I feel that I'm causing you great pain by using all. Like, no. this is, like, it's so boring. I totally get that. It's so important. <laughs> No, no, it's not. My my eyeballs are closing, but it's not boring. Number two is a number that everybody everybody gets, like as a provider. It's just a way yeah. to, I guess, a social security number, essentially for yeah. like, medical providers. It's how they identify you in the billing what? system. I like that. I like that, oh, I like that analogy. Yeah. So yeah, everybody has an MPI number, and then a practice has like I have my MPI number for me, and then I have an MPI number for me my, at my practice, which is different, mm-hmm. like because. I am portable my own, but the practice is not portable. I kind of thought about it and I was like, okay, how much do I get paid per hour? How much time am I going to spend figuring this out? Regardless of how frustrating it is, I see it as like almost like a job I'm getting paid for. Because if you look at the amount of money that you might be saving, especially by calculating this kind of stuff in advance before something like a surgery, it's quite a high hourly rate that you're getting, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I always look at it. It's like, it's actually, you know, I think about how much time it would take for me to earn that kind of money and how much time it takes to put into this. And usually that's the incentive to keep me going when I have to do boring stuff like this. So, so one thing that was happening in Colorado is that you'd have people go into a hospital and it would be like emergency surgery, like an appendectomy. And there was even this case where this guy was like, I only want someone in network. Like, so the hospital was in network. The provider, the surgeon was not. That's something that sometimes hospitals have contracted people and they are not in network with other people's insurance. 
So that's the thing to check about. Like, I guess if you have to have the surgery, like right then, and there's nobody else, you know, uh, but maybe that if, if there's any way to get some, make sure somebody's in network, not yeah. just do you accept my, the, the question is not, do you accept my insurance? The question is, are you in network with my insurance? And understanding that just because you go to a place doesn't mean, even if the facility is in network, that doesn't mean the provider is in network. So that's important. Yeah. And unfortunately, out. the way to look up providers and see if they're in network is just like one of those terrible websites <laughs> that really doesn't, like, it's like website to nowhere. So you actually, I would recommend calling the facility and asking specifically, or you, I guess you'd have to call your insurance. Yeah. And ask. Which could be hard. Honestly, like, online was like, you'll waste your time. Yeah. And it may not be possible in emergency situations. And I totally get that. But if there's yeah. any way that you can, like, I know I would be the person I'd be like on my phone or I'd like hand the phone to my husband. I'd be like, call and make sure while I'm over here, like in pain and talking to these doctors. <laughs> like I would, I know that that would be me. <laughs> um, but cause it's like hourly rate. It goes back to the hourly rate. Like how much yeah. money right. my time right. Even if time is like me double, double or over. And I guess I can't say for sure that I would do that, but I, I have a feeling knowing myself I would be. So that's important to know. And so then what was happening in Colorado was that people were getting, they weren't just getting the rate that an insurance, a provider at that hospital who's a network or whatever might typically get. And obviously there'd be a range. If it was a higher rate, they'd bill them the balance, you know, mm -hmm. this is the negotiated rate and here's how much extra I'm going to charge you. I'm going to charge you my full out-of-pocket rate. And people were actually getting liens on their houses because of this. And so that's why this bill was passed. I swear, I think this was passed nationally, um, but I know for sure that it was passed in Colorado that you can't, I think that's actually surprise billing, not balance billing. But I think that one's surprise because surprise billing is when you didn't know that you were going to get this charge. They have to let you know in advance. And I believe mm -hmm. the Trump administration passed something where hospitals have to like explicitly tell you what all of their charges are, because, um, you know, if a hospital gives you ibuprofen, they're not charging you the going rate of ibuprofen when you buy it from. Yeah, Walgreens. they're charging like, like 25 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah. I don't have a problem with hospitals. I'm just I just want to be really clear that you just have to use them wisely. Obviously, most people know you don't go to the emergency room for something that could be urgent care. Um, and a lot of the freestanding emergency rooms or urgent care places, they have providers that are not in network. So that's just kind of a cautionary yeah. tale. So let's say that you, so there was actually this really good, I actually looked it up first. NPR has a podcast called Life Kit. And I love it because it teaches me how to be an adult and how to function in the world. And you know what I mean? Like all the things yeah. I wouldn't know about, or I feel very mature and a, like adult when I read those things like, oh, hmm, retirement, but they have, they have an episode and I, I think it's the one from July 14th, 2020, but I swear I listened to an episode like this ahead of time or like before that, but it's about medical debt. And so they actually have this whole thing where this guy, it was like a surprise bill, but the hospital was a nonprofit and nonprofit hospitals have to have a financial, a financial assistance policy. So you can always ask about what their financial assistance policy is. And you might be surprised at who qualifies. And some people might be like, well, you know, I'm kind of middle class. I don't really feel like I should be getting this assistance. And I'm just going to say, is it like maybe you feel like it's not quite right. Is it also quite right what some of those charges are when you look at what things cost compared to other places, right? Right. And so just like, 
I won't go into like what things cost for me, but when I looked at something, like when I looked at what it cost, so I had my nose fixed, it was medically necessary, right? I wanted to get, like, I was like, I need to be able to breathe. And so even if I was thinking it might even just be cheaper to pay somebody privately. So a plastic surgeon, like it was a fraction of what it costs to get things, like to get it fixed at a hospital. But it was covered by insurance at a hospital because it was medically necessary. And I'm really happy with it. The guy did a super good job. I can breathe way better. I can smell way better. But um, it's like obscene when you look at the difference between what Mm -hmm. people are charging for some of those procedures. So just, I'm just putting that out there that, yeah, maybe you don't feel right about it, but is it right what people are charging? And I, and I want to be really clear, not all hospitals are the same. There are some really good hospitals that are run really well and they're, you know, not necessarily obscene with what they charge. Every hospital is different. So Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear about that. Um, and so, okay, any questions about that? I know no. I'm talking a lot, but I want to get to medication really quickly because that's a okay. big one. Because medication is like a recurring cost, right? So medication can be expensive. Um, so there is something called GoodRx, which you can go online. You can go to the GoodRx webpage. So it's like literally the word good and then the letters Rx, like Rx as in prescription. And you can look up the particular medication that, um, you know, has been prescribed to you and the dosage or prescribed to one of your kids or family members and look at what it costs um, at different places. So there's a good RX rate and there's a QR code or I just take a screenshot um, of what of what that rate is. And I signed up for GoodRx and I have like a GoodRx card that can be scanned. And it depends. Like Kroger is pretty cheap. Walgreens can be more expensive, but then there's a bunch of other stores like Safeway. But a lot of times it is significantly less expensive than the rate that you're paying with your insurance. Now, it's not going to go towards your deductible if you do that. So you have to decide if it's worth it. By doing GoodRx, I think with my kids' medications, I was saving something like $100 a month, which is pretty significant for medication. Sometimes you'll get prescribed medications that... um, there's like a, a copay program. And so you can always ask if it's like, for example, with my migraine medication, it's pretty expensive. So I go through this copay program and a specialty pharmacy. So sometimes there are specialty pharmacies that charge less because this pharmaceutical company has a cope, like this coupon thing. And I don't totally understand it, but I'm sure it has something to do with tax write-offs. And, you know, doctors can be pretty aware of like, you know, the difference in price if you go there versus somewhere else. And it can be significant. So like I take a medication that from my migraines that I take every day, it would be $500 a month out of pocket. No, I think it was 600. I think it was 500 in Canada, 600 in the US. And um, I pay $60 a month with this program. So asking about specialty pharmacy can be really helpful. And then obviously, like, one more thing. So I just gave an example of how much something costs in Canada. I have to get a medication from Canada because it's um, it's not approved by the FDA for Meniere's disease here. So I have to get it from Canada. Unless you go through a specialty pharmacy that, or sorry, like a particular pharmacy that can compound it. And the difference was $50 a month. And it just gets mailed to me and I buy it in bulk. Am I um, perhaps admitting to something that's illegal? I guess I am. 
but I'm kind of in a bind because it hasn't been FDA approved. And I guess there's this other place I can go. But all med, like, there's a lot of medications mm. that you can get through Canada. And I'm not suggesting that people do illegal things. I'm just going to put information out there and people can make their own choices. Canada often has medication that's quite a bit less expensive, too. It is not technically legal to get medication from Canada. And you obviously have to have a paper prescription. But I got the medication from Veneers disease with no problem. Um, and then the, the other thing, of, and you want to buy it in bulk because of shipping. And you want to make sure you go to the right pharmacy. So Northwest, I'm not telling people to do this. I'm just saying some people I know, like yeah. me, do Except I will say I only do this for my Meniere's medication, which is hard to get. Um, and like, I guess I could get it compounded, but it's a whole thing that's really, it's more expensive and it's really inconvenient. Um, so that's all I have. That's, that's all I have about financial stuff. I talked a lot. Right. I think the last bit yeah. was the, the best for me, at least. The good RX? Uh, just the legal part about Canada. It. Oh, yeah, because you're neighbors, right? Pretty much. I'm only an hour and a half away. Drive up there, get my men. Hmm? <laughs> um, Northwest Pharmacies over in um, British Columbia, though. Just so mm, you know. It's a bit of yeah, a drive, be, right? Yeah, it's but maybe that other one that I can't remember. Maybe they're, maybe they're over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and GoodRx, uh, a lot of times when I get stuff, people are like, oh, you don't have insurance? And I'm like, no, I have insurance. I'm just going to use GoodRx because it's way cheaper. That is a thing. I think it's. I think it was initially for people who didn't have insurance, but um, I don't think it's like only supposed to be for people who don't have insurance. I don't think that's the idea because I was told by a prescriber to look into it, that it would be mm -hmm. helpful. So yeah. yeah, cool. I don't think you're like take, taking stuff from poor people. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You're not being like a bad person if you use GoodRx. Right. Even though right, it was right. initially for Okay. I don't have anything else. Um, that was a lot of information. I feel like I'm glad to get this out there because it just feels to me sometimes like I get, and I'm sure other people do too, you just get kind of taken advantage of by some aspects of our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Not all of them, mm -hmm. but some aspects. I mean, I'm a provider, right? So I'm not saying everybody, obviously, and I wouldn't even say most people. I'm just saying some institutions and pharmaceutical practices, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it can be kind of hard to take. And then if you have a child with complex needs who maybe see, gets seen by lots of different providers and has lots of different medications, mm -hmm. that cost starts to add up big time. Yeah. Well, thanks for all the information. Yeah. So I'm going to look up the John Oliver thing about hospitals. And yeah. then there's the like one about getting out of medical debt, which is an NPR podcast. You can listen to actual financial people <laughs> talk of us. <laughs> you can okay, compare so, and contrast. Um, yeah, you can compare and contrast their charm, their abilities, <laughs> uh, their knowledge. Whether they're doing legal or illegal things. How many times they say like, for example, like me, compare <laughs> and contrast all of this. Oh, gosh, so funny. Yeah. All right. Well, great. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do. We we should probably start doing some interviews. So yeah. we'll 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 do that sometime soon. Oh yeah. We have that an interview. Good. 
Oh, we have an interview like next week. I have an interview. Great. Oh, so it'll be really, really soon. We're going to do an interview. I'll tell you about awesome. it later. Right. Sounds great. All right. Well, um, happy, um, what day is it? Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, yes, evening. happy Wednesday. All right. Okay. All right, cool. Talk to I'll you, talk later. you later. All right. Catch you Bye. later. Bye. Bye.